Hi, and welcome into Meet Me in the Movies Open Dialogue. My name is Thomas Manning, and recently had a great chat with the composer Nami Melamad talking about her incredible career in the music industry, uh, working as a composer on various film projects and entertainment projects, ranging from Thor Love and Thunder to venturing into the Star Trek universe with Star Trek Prodigy and Star Trek Strange New Worlds. She also worked on a Borat's subsequent movie film a few years ago, and uh, she's worked on some video games, uh, collaborated with Michael Giacchino on multiple projects, and even ventured into the hip-hop realm of working with Logic on his 2017 album, Everybody. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. It was really just great talking about her career that's been uh, very successful for many years, and hope you guys enjoy listening and watching. Uh, so I'll start out kind of with a general uh, overview. Um, you know, looking at your career, you've worked on such an impressive array and wide range of project styles, you know, from short films to documentaries, television, and some big budget feature films. So out of, <laughs> yeah, so out of these, is there a particular size of project or scale of production that you feel yourself drawn to more than others? Or is it kind of just a sense of you like to get those different experiences? Well, it's it's fun to have different experiences. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm drawn to like that little indie project size, uh, you know, like Thor. That's that's a great uh, indie. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, that's that's you know, and and you know, it's because it's you know, it's my favorite actors. It's like such a it's such a an incredible like it's you know it's massive it's it's huge it's it's the content i like watching um so yeah obviously <laughs> you know and and then on top of that you have these like great incentive in 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 a in a, in a form of an, a huge orchestra like you know 96 players and you have this like huge choir um and guitars and like uh, drums so you know everything that you know a composer can dream of so obviously <laughs> that's that's a pretty um you know, fun, fun uh, work environment. Um, but I also do like, you know, the, the smaller scale stuff. Uh, I mean, Star Trek is, is not really small scale. It's, we still have like a 60 piece orchestra between 50 to 60. Um, but even, you know, even like, a, a, you know, smaller scale projects, like the one I'm working on now, which is like a, you know, this little romantic comedy. And it's really fun because you get to tell a story, um, you know, in a, in a, you know, you still get to, to, to tell the same emotions. You, you still get to, you know, to be part of, it's, it's just a different concept, but you know, it's, it's, it's as great, you know? Um, so yeah, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited with anything I do really in, in the challenge that it will present, like whether it's a huge orchestra or a smaller ensemble, or maybe something that's not entirely acoustic at all. Like it could be, I've, I've done projects that had like synth stuff um, and percussions and like more like uh, all, all sorts of uh, flute uh, weirdo things that I have been doing with some audio um, audio manipulations or like sound toys stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's I, I I enjoy telling the story. Uh, but yeah, if, if I, I if I could pick you know take my pick, I, I'd I'd go for like a Marvel or Pixar like one of those big big uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I believe you've also done some work composing music for stage plays and live theater, uh, especially yeah. kind of earlier in your career. And yeah. so I'm wondering, how does that how does that approach compare when you're writing for live performances versus writing music for something that's already been filmed and produced? 
Oh, that's such a great question. Wow. Um, so when you're writing for a live performance, uh, you want it to be as simple as it gets because there's not a lot of rehearsals and then because people have to, you know, it has to be performed live. Um, so, you know, the less mistakes that happen, the better. So you got to be mindful of that. You also have to be mindful of the ensemble. Like, as I just mentioned, like Thor is like such a huge orchestra. Um, with live live uh, plays, usually you don't have such you know such a big ensemble. You know, maybe you'll have a few players, um, and often you know the actors will be singing you know on stage or, or like you have to um, you have to be mindful of the of the ensemble you're writing for. Um, so your your musical choices will sometimes be just you know informed by by that uh, I'm not I'm not saying for the good and the bad actually sometimes I'll be even better because uh, because when you have limitations you know often you'll, you'll come up with something more exciting because that's your your limitations you have to you know um, so yeah it'll push you out of your comfort zone and I like that I, I, I guess I, I would love to go back to that the thing is like it, it's oftentimes I had to be there like for rehearsals and for performances and that is very time consuming. <laughs> Plus, I am not very good at being on stage as a performer. That's part of why I wanted to be a composer for film and TV, because then I don't have to be on the stage performing and making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I still have some 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 uh, some dreams about being on on stage, and it, it, they're usually not great dreams. <laughs> like it's um, I don't know if it's fear of audience or or what, but. Um, yeah, not for me. <laughs> I'll leave that to someone who's an expert. <laughs> yeah, so you've written music for, you know, film and television and live stage performances, but you've also done a few, you know, other, worked in a few other areas of the music industry. Uh, you collaborated in 2017 with Logic on his album, Everybody. And, you know, Logic, he's such a fantastic hip hop artist and that album in particular has just always impressed me and how creative it is in all aspects, both musically and narratively. And I think your orchestrations provided a lot to those foundations. Um, so are there any details you you recall from working oh. on that project, from working yeah. on that project that kind of challenged you to do something unique and kind of flex a different kind of creative muscle? Um, yeah, so this was, uh, I think it was the first time I got to orchestrate something on such a big scale, because I was like, kind of after school then, uh, and, and like, you know, relatively new to the US and all of that. Uh, and I had worked as, as a music preparation uh, person, like I, I was doing copying and stuff. Um, and so I got to be on, on a lot of sessions, a lot of pop music sessions. Um, and usually, you know, we'd have like 12 string players or like a small orchestra, you know, 18 players, 20 players. And this was like the biggest one that I've I've done to that point, uh, and there was like main like it was a string string orchestra really, um, and this was the first time I got a chance to you know to to go for it and and to to orchestrate, um, and so that was a big deal for me. <laughs> it still is, uh, and that album uh, went to be very uh, very big, um, but you know and another really cool part of it was that we did it at Warner Brothers. And I remember walking um, into the studio, I was already like, you know, putting all the music on the stand and like super excited to hear, you know, the, the orchestrations are being played. And then Logic walks in with his entourage of like people. Um, and, you know, I thought, okay, well, you know, he's a rapper, he's not gonna like, you know, but then he walked up to every person in the room, like the, the people who were working on the stage and setting, setting up the mics, 
and me and like really everyone, you know, the, the small people, you know, the small workers. Um, and he was so kind. And, and so like he introduced himself was like, I'm Logic. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for like for helping out on this. I'm super excited, you know, and he was like so so real and genuine like he was all of a sudden this like sweet person <laughs> and I really did not anticipate any of that you know because uh, he's such a, a big you know uh big guy and um and that the whole thing you know that that little gesture made everything so much more fun um and yeah it was was a really beautiful experience and I kind of take that from him, you know, every time I, I walk into a new room or a new environment, I'll, I'll be introducing myself and, you know, be kind and nice to everyone because that, that makes it way more fun, you know, for everyone really. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. And another, another part of that project, the, the 1-800 song on that album was so special for so many people. Um, so what does that mean for you to have been able to work on a song that was significant oh, on a, on a broader cultural level, but, you know, also on a very intimate personal level to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, honestly, it helped me too. It's, it's really interesting. Like, but you know, we all have these like really troublesome times and especially 2020 was like kind of, kind of hard for me. Cause also, so there was like a couple of projects I was really looking forward to and they were like either delayed or canceled completely uh, or, or moved on without me. Like it, there was like a lot of, of stuff going on and, and, you know, oftentimes I was like, you know, I, I was trying to, to find some, some more meaning and, and that song was, was helpful to me too. Like I, I would listen to it. Um, so obviously I take big pride in, in like um, helping others with the song, but I also got to experience it, you know, single-handedly, like what, what that song meant. So, um, so yeah. And then, you know, anytime I hear Alicia Cara, I was like, <laughs> I love, I loved her since like the very beginning of her career. So it was, it was also really special that, that she was part of the album. Um, yeah. I mean, I, if, isn't it the purpose of music though, like to, to, to lift us up and, and like to, um, to help us where, where, you know, both as a society as, as an, and, and as individuals, like, you know, I, I feel like Beethoven helped me a lot. <laughs> like, and so, um, so did Logic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That that's really interesting to hear. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you alluded to earlier how you've recently ventured into the Star Trek universe uh, with Star Trek Prodigy and uh, also Strange New Worlds. And there's obviously a magnificent, rich history to this saga and this franchise. Almost yeah. sixty years. Almost 60 years now, I think it was uh, 1966 was the, uh, you know, original debut of Star Trek. So you, know, you were you were certainly up to the challenge, but was that kind of a daunting undertaking for you at the beginning, just figuring out how, how you were going to step foot into a story with so much history and so much weight in pop culture? Oh, yeah. I mean, no pressure at all. <laughs> um, there was uh, there was definitely uh you know, some pressure, uh, especially because all these like an incredibly iconic composers took part of this franchise. You know, I grew up listening to Jerry Goldsmith. I grew up listening to Alexander Courage and Michael Giacchino and James Warner and all these like incredibly uh, talented and phenomenal composers. And so you have to like make sure your music is just as great, uh, which seems to be a bit of a, of a, a you know big big task um but at the same time i feel like if if producers believe in you and showrunners believe in you and 
Jacquino believes in you, uh, then you have to, you know, you kind of embrace that as, as like that outside confidence really kind of ensures your inner confidence too. Um, and it, it really helps, um, you know, because uh, in, in those moments where you're not sure of something, you're like, well, they trust me to do a good job. They, they think I can do it. So I, I can do it. Um, so yeah, but, but it, I, all, I also all, always have had that confidence. <laughs> so this is just for moments where I'm not sure <laughs> about something. Um, but yeah, I think I think growing up on this music actually helped me a lot because I, I'm already familiar with, you know, what my ear is looking for. Like a lot of times I'll be like, ah, oh, it's not exactly, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the piano and be like, you know, trying different intervals. I'm like, this is not exactly what I was, you know? And and yeah, having having, such a good knowledge of, of the original series and, and the, the previous shows um, as well, like, you know, TNG, uh, DS9, Voyager, like all, all of, and, and the movies, of course, um, it really helps in, in understanding your, your musical decisions. If, if you know, if you know it well, if you know what has been done, you can build on that and, and renew it and make it more exciting, more fresh, um, but it will still line up within that universe. Um, so I guess being a trap key helps. <laughs> yeah, and of course, a lot of coffee too. You gotta have that coffee. Yeah, yeah. I am definitely a caffeine addict myself. I actually work at a coffee shop, which probably doesn't help things, but. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. Coffee is the best. Uh, it's, it's most the certainly. Best catalyzer for, for track music, especially if it involves Janeway. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. And you mentioned your uh, collaborations with Michael Giacchino. Uh, and there's one uh, one project a couple of years ago that really caught my attention uh, when I was kind of researching more into your career. Um, so y'all worked on the video game uh, Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. Um, and also, also congrats on winning an award from the International Film Music Critics Association. So yeah, I noticed that. that so <laughs> I did not see that coming, but yay! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so just congrats, but also I imagine that was quite a fascinating task developing music for a medium like that. So uh, just how does how does your approach to that medium um, differ from other mediums? Oh, wow. Yeah, that was such a cool project. Um, and it's yeah, you're right. It's very different to write for a video game, um, especially because it's like not a linear scenario like like a film or, or a show that there's like a, you know, a timeline. You see what the characters are doing, you react to them, like music usually reacts. Um, so with that, it was more of a, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of room for imagination first, uh, be, because um, you're working on an animation that's not entirely final. So a lot of times, you know, th there's going to be like soldiers coming at you, there's going to be um, all, all sorts of things happening, but you don't see them yet because you're working on a work in progress. Um, and, you know, it really helped that they put in the sound for the game, like a lot of the time sounds were there. Um, so it sounded realistic in, in terms of like the environment and the feel of it. Um, but yeah, there were there were like, um, you know, uh, all, all sorts of levels in the game that I worked on without even seeing them. <laughs> like, so it was a lot of, of room for imagination. Uh, the other thing is that it's relatively more more open like there's more flexibility more place for creativity um you know it's it's kind of like more more of a blank page it's not really a blank page because you're still influenced by the script and by the level what's happening in that level um the intensity of the music that you want to do um so there's like you know factors that are still the same 
um, as in a narrative uh, film. Um, but you know, generally, there's there's more room for your musical decisions. You know, you're not you know obligated by dialogue or by a certain timing. So so you can make your choices however you want to make them, uh, which was really fun and super interesting. Um, and yeah, so to basically, what our, our concept was that there's going to be like three layers to every um, to every level. So three layers of intensity, and it, it should keep growing all the time. So um, the first one would be like more, more like a stealth or like a, uh, you know, before the battle scenario and then like a, a mid action. So it's like, you know, it's action, but it's not like the most, you know, it's like one on one combat or one on a few combat. And then the third one would be like super intense, like big fight tanks, you know, what, what, like things that are really, really, um, you know, more, more stressful and scary. Um, so it was really cool to also like take a theme and kind of build on it for these like different uh, you know variations of, of tempo and 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 stress level really uh, and intensity level, um, yeah. And then it was also interesting because because to prepare for this um, for this, I first of all I had studied all of Michael's score from beforehand, um, but also he recommended that I I read some books about D Day and and kind of like learn you know the like get the feeling of what it was like to be a soldier in in D Day. Um, and, and that experience for, for the war, like, you know, and, and I read, I read a lot, like I, I, I you know, um, Stephen Ambrose, I think that's the, the writer. I, I read like a lot of his books and, um, and that really inspired me. Cause I was like, okay, this is, this is the mindset. It was kind of, you know, sometimes a bit hard to, to read those things. Cause you're like, wow, they had to endure a lot. Um, and, and I, I wanted that feeling to, to come into the music in, in the game too, because, you know, it's not just a, a game about fighting. It's it's also like th there's a little more, more to that. You know, the purpose of that war. Um, and then there was these documentaries that they they added um, with like interviews from with veterans and and with Colette, who was a resistance fighter um, for uh, for the French resistance. And she was a teenage girl. And so you're like, you know. There, there was so much meaning in, in that, like, you know, the sacrifice that th these people did, like, so I, I liked that they took the game in, in, into that, to, that uh, with that other perspective. So it's not just a shooting game, you know? Um, so yeah, it was overall a good experience, just really, really different than, than working on a film. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Colette because uh, I found that just really interesting how there was a that was a companion piece of the video game and they're intrinsically connected and they comment on similar subject matter. But, you know, one is an action video game and the other is a very intimate documentary. So <laughs> what was what was that process like in the sense of those two companion pieces kind of interacting with each other right. and, you know, your your approach to that? Right. Well, first of all, we decided to, it was different directors. So, so, you know, we worked with Peter Hirschman on the game, on the actual game, and then uh, with Anthony Giacchino on the documentaries. And so um, the documentaries, you know, obviously have a different direction um, to begin with from a filmmaker's perspective, but also like just the tone and the vibe. And we decided that like, it should be completely, you know, un, you know, different from, uh, from the score of the game. So it will be two distinctive things, um, but that all of the documentaries will still have a, scene, a similar feel because that is like the that gallery part of the game. Um, 
so yeah and, and then again you want to tell this this is more of a like a it's not a narrative situation but a documentary but you're still following the story that Colette tells you um so you know in a way there's a timeline it's like it's more like a more like a movie that you score um and so yeah I you know in documentaries you don't want to intervene too much like you want to let things happen and you don't want to over overtell you know with with emotions or like make, make it melodramatic um so a lot of the choice i remember actually my first sketch was like michael looked at it and he was like yeah maybe we should do something a little less big <laughs> and uh you know less is more kind of thing uh and i and i thought that was a good a good uh, direction because I, I was like you know it, it all of a sudden opened that story to to your interpretation your your emotion as the viewer um so you know just adding a little bit here and there and just accentuating those certain moments where, where she goes to the, that tunnel and like you know kind of create that horror for you know in the tunnel like make make that but it wasn't a lot, you know, creating that that hormone. It was just like, you know, some basses, some really scratchy high strings. And that combination was so eerie and like disturbing, but it also allowed for, for your emotions to come through without being over, over without overstepping. Um, so that was like a lot, a lot of that that uh, documentary was was about like finding the, this fine-tuning of, of a score. Um so yeah, ultimately, I'm really proud of it. Um, and then yeah, there, there was like other documentaries too. Uh, yeah, it was it was a fun fun experience for sure. Um, and and also just to to get to to work with these stories, you know, because I I wouldn't be you know I, I I didn't know about all of that. Like I felt like it was personally enriching, you know. Yeah, most certainly, most certainly. And uh, you know, I definitely want to give you a chance here to uh, talk a little bit about one of your latest projects, uh, which you talked a little bit about earlier, but Thor: Love and Thunder, and oh. uh, working with uh, working with Michael on that one. Um, so, kind of, how were the music cues delegated between you and Michael? You know, were there certain areas of the score that maybe you worked on more than him, and vice versa? Just what was that creative partnership like? Right. Um, so at this point, Michael and I had worked together for like four years. Uh, so uh, it makes it easier and more smooth in terms of the collaboration. Uh, like, I, I feel like I understand, uh, you know, his choices and what and, and he kind of understands mine. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it really helps that he trusts me with, with those decisions. Um, so yeah, so basically, uh, I originally I wasn't supposed to be working on this, um, but there was a scheduling conflict for Michael, because uh, I'm sure, as you know, you probably know, uh, he's directing a film for Marvel. So uh, <laughs> he, you know, uh, and, and Thor got really delayed, like they, they had the reshoots and, and they had to do like a lot of, um, you know, unexpected things. And so, uh, you know, basically Michael was like just not super available to to do all the stuff um so he texted me if I <laughs> if I can do some cues and I'm like yeah <laughs> I mean you don't need to add, I mean you have me at like four <laughs> so um yeah it was it was uh you know it, it started you know at that at that point of, of the process he already recorded like the main themes he already recorded a big chunk of the score so I was like able to sort of learn what he did. It's like, okay, these are the choices. I'm like, oh, an orchestra without woodwinds. Interesting, <laughs> you know, because I didn't know all of that. Like I, you know, I they, you know, I 
got added to to the the folder where all the stuff where I'm like, oh god, like there's a lot of learning to do in like really quick time. Like I have literally two days to figure out what's going on here, <laughs> and I listen to it and repeat uh, the stuff that has had already been recorded. Um, and basically, you know, we we got a cut almost every day, uh, and and so you know, just figuring out what else needs to be done and how you know how do we do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, Michael sent me some some of his catches, and uh, some of them I, I completed those catches. I'm like, okay, it really helped because I think that's the first time he sends me like his his catches. So it's really interesting to see like you know how how he approaches a scene, what what a sketch looks like uh, with him. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, first of all, I, I always get excited when I get new music for him. Cause I'm like, Oh, I get, I'm the first one to hear a Michael, <laughs> a new Michael thing. So, um, that's really cool. But, um, yeah, uh, like I still have that, that fangirl, uh, feel sometimes. Uh, and, and yeah, so, uh, so I sent him like, you know, I sent him things to review and he'll be like, Oh, well, this is great. You know, let's send it off. Or he'll be like, Oh, you know, maybe we should change this and that. And I'm like, oh, sh I should have thought about this. <laughs> like, he's so smart. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I'm not, you know, ultimately they, they changed so much in the film that I, I you know, it's kind of hard to, to be like, oh, you know, because I worked on some stuff in the beginning, I worked on stuff in the middle, some stuff in the end, like it's, it's very like mixed. And then um, sometimes there's really surprising, but because they continue to edit the film long after the score has been recorded, um, and I think they had about like, I think ultimately about 110 minutes of music that they could use. Um, and at the, end, at the end of it, it's way less than the movie, but also a lot of scenes that were initially there and we scored are not in the cut. So there was like a bit of a, a mush up there uh, towards the end. They also uh, moved scenes like that were supposed to be, you know, at that point of the film and now they're here. And so also with music, I remember there was like something I wrote for a certain spot. And then I, you know, in the screening, I see it in a different spot. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's like all these things. So it's kind of hard to say like, okay, which, uh, which scenes were what, but, um, but it was really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of it. Like it was really fun and the challenge was awesome. Like, you know, that you don't have a lot of time to do it. <laughs> uh, I really enjoy that. I, I guess I like not sleeping, so. <laughs> yeah, after just graduating college, uh, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep during that time either. So I understand how, you know, sometimes <laughs> when you're kind of, when you're kind of in a different state of mind, when you're sleep deprived, that's when your creativity really kicks in. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're in the place, you're in the mood and the adrenaline is, is a big part of it. And I, I feel like the adrenaline was definitely there for a long time on, on this Marvel project. Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, and you know, like sometimes I'll send you something that needs to be ready for tomorrow. And you know, <laughs> and you're like, well, when, when am I going to do that? And, but you have to do it because otherwise it will just not be ready. <laughs> uh, and then I have to, you know, <laughs> I have to rise up to the challenge. Like I, I have to up my game and, you know, working with the, these top people, like, you know, <laughs> you have to do, to do it right. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I know your time is somewhat limited today, but before I let you go, I'd love to ask about one of your other films in particular. Um, and I think in a, in a roundabout way, you can almost connect it to the tone of Thor. Uh, so, you know, Thor Love and Thunder, it's, 
it's definitely a heavy comedy, uh, but it's a fantasy comedy. It gets very absurd and kind of stretches uh, into a lot of abstract areas. But a few years ago, you worked on a project that was very much based in reality, and uh, but also uh, very absurd and bizarre in a lot of sense. And that's you know the Borat sequel <laughs> a couple years ago. Um, so I, I just I had have to ask about your experience working on uh, Borat's subsequent movie film. Oh, and just you know Sasha Baron Cohen, he's a genius, and um, I think that that movie represents a pinnacle of what he's been able to do in his career. So I just would love to hear about anything. Uh, specifically about your contributions to that project that really stand right. out in your memory? Oh man, this was such a fun project, God. <laughs> um, it was hilarious from, from the beginning to the end. <laughs> like even the meetings, it was really funny. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. This was actually another Michael uh, collaboration because um, Michael was brought on to advise on the score. Um, and I, you know, he brought me in to, start, to do some arrangements and to help out with some additional music. Um, so I, I used a theme from from Ian Baron Cohen, who's like an incredible writer. Um, like that that theme is like I still I can still hear it in my head. Um, very very catchy. Um, and so it was you know first of all I learned a lot about like Eastern European music and, and like you know Kazakhstan music and, and Georgian music like very um, you know it was a lot of brass band stuff like a lot of things I haven't you know, even touched on before. So I feel like I learned a lot from, from that. Um, but yeah, it, so it was a little bit of a mess. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, and I remember it was, you know, after, after we did it, uh, it, it was like a good preparation for, for, you know, cause, cause the schedule was just so intense. Uh, and I felt like that would be a good preparation for, for another scenario where things are like super, super quick, have, have to be turned around super quick and super, um, you know, again, adrenaline is, is the key word, I guess. Uh, so there was that, yeah, it, it was like five weeks or so. That was very, very quick. And we recorded the orchestra at like 1 a.m. because <laughs> uh, they were in Europe. And, and so for us, it's like 1 a.m. <laughs> um, which is really funny. Uh, like, I mean, the whole, the whole thing was just like, kind of like you see in the movie. It was, it was funny, it was intense. Um, and Sasha Boren Cohen speaks Hebrew half the movie too. So uh, I, you know, as, as a Hebrew speaker, I'm, I'm from Israel, um, I understood like a lot of the jokes that people didn't like, uh, you know, cause there's a scene where he's talking, you know, he says some stuff to his daughter, um, I mean, in the movie. Um, and, and basically what he's saying is, oh, I heard there's schnitzels for lunch, let's go. <laughs> I'm like this is so so not what they translated. <laughs> so a lot of those jokes, uh, it's it's it was just really pure fun to work on it. Um, so yeah, I, I wish myself a lot of more projects like that. <laughs> well, uh, Nami, I can't thank you enough for your time today and just for such a delightful conversation and uh, just. Um, I every you know what you bring what you bring creatively to so many projects is very special and uh just you know thank you again for thank you again for uh everything today oh thank you all right great questions too. all right yeah, yeah. I'll hopefully, talk to you we, next time. yeah hopefully we get a chance to talk again soon yeah. all right sounds yeah. good bye thanks have a great afternoon thanks yeah.